a person's a person, no matter how small, right? I, I love that. There's something about the potency of that, that phrase. Just it, It's such an easy phrase to remember and say. And, and, and I love Dr. Seuss, and I love Horton, Here's a Who. And it, I mean, maybe you remember from your childhood, or maybe you're still reading these in your home based on what season of life that you're in. But Dr. Seuss and books like Horton, Here's a Who, he just nailed it somehow. He, the guy just had insights into life, right? And and this whole reality of this elephant who, who hears some life on a speck and so wants to protect the speck, so gets the speck on a flower and then is going to do whatever he can to, to save the flower so he can save the speck and save the life on the speck, all because a person's a person no matter how small. There, there's just something about it that kind of captures this, right? I wonder like, if Dr. Seuss knew when he was writing books that that he was going to be resonating with people for generations. I wondered, like, when Dr. Seuss wrote books, did, did he know, man, I'm just going to speak right into the middle of people's souls with what I write? Because that's what it feels like happens with books like Horton, Here's a Who Writes, why even as adults we, we want to come back to them. And, and I think this one in particular, this idea that a person's a person no matter how small, that resonates with us so deeply be, because probably most of us, actually, I mean, probably all of us, Somewhere along the way, we've had these moments. In fact, for many of us, we've had a lifetime of moments where we felt small. We felt small or we were treated small. Or maybe we we even made some personal decisions that made us feel small. We all kind of identify with that a a little bit. Maybe Maybe it's at recess, it's on the playground and the teams are getting picked, and, and you really know which team you want to be on. You know whose team you, you should be on if you want to win, but, but somehow you never quite get picked for that team. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the friend group that you have, and you love them, and you know they love you. You love your friend group. But there's this other group of people that you're often intrigued by and you wonder about. And, and, and when you rub shoulders with them, some of them are kind to you and some of them are, are not. And you find yourself wondering, why am, why am I not in that group too? And, and you feel a little small because you're not. Maybe it's those parts of your life where you work really hard at something. And you've tasted a little bit of accomplishment and you love it and your passion is, is high so you're continuing to work at it. But there's some other people who haven't worked at it quite as long, and they haven't worked at it quite as hard. But the accolades and the accomplishment comes a little faster, and you try and celebrate them, but you also kind of find yourself feeling small. Maybe it's, maybe it's your parent. Maybe, it's, maybe you're young. You're in elementary school or middle school, and it's your parent. Maybe you're an adult, and it's your parent. And they don't see you the way you wish they would. They don't see what you wish they would. And, and somehow you maybe don't put a vocabulary to it, but you leave interactions with that parent or those parents, and, and you just feel smaller than you wish you were, that you, you wished you felt. Maybe it's the job front, and you applied for that job, and you got passed over. And that's okay. But then you got passed over again and again, and maybe again. And you even understand all the reasons why, but there's still something that can just, it can make us feel small in the middle of that. 
sometimes it's, it's just our own failures, right? It's our own misses. I can't count the number of times that just as a husband, I have blown it. I've been selfish. I've missed moments. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I, and I, I walk away and I just feel small. Even if I thought I was right, I feel small. I can't count the number of times I've blown it as, as a dad. I, I say all the time, my, my two most used phrases as a dad are, I love you and I'm sorry. Just all the time, right? All the time. And, and when I miss it, when I miss something or I fail, I, I can feel small. It happens as, as leaders, as workers, as employees. I've let down friends. I, I've missed opportunities. And sometimes there's just this, this thing of sin. I've just I've lived selfish. I've lived rebellious. And they can feel small. The guilt and the shame that can come with that can, can make us feel small. It's almost, it's almost like life itself enjoys trying to make us feel small. You ever sense that? It's just almost like life itself, the circumstances, the, the trajectory of a society, the people around us. That it's almost like life itself can enjoy trying to make us feel small. It's why I think we, I think it's why we're drawn to Horton and this idea that, that a person's a person no matter how small because we're still trying to convince ourselves, but wait, but wait, I, I feel small. I've been treated small and I don't want to feel small. I'm, st- I'm still this person, like, right, I'm a, I'm a human, right? And so we're drawn to, to the story of things like Horton because of this who that he hears. It's, it's also part of what's fascinating about the story of Jesus and his resurrection, we're, we're going to celebrate the resurrection day. That's what we're doing this Easter day. And we celebrate that, that Jesus has conquered death. He's come back from the dead. He's literally experienced death and been raised from the dead. And we're absolutely humble enough to, to acknowledge and understand there's a death before that. That Jesus really did, on a cross, absorb. He absorbed all of our blatant rebellion. He absorbed all of our very subtle selfishness. He absorbed all of the the places and ways which we would live like God was somehow holding out on us. And he did that so so that he could offer us forgiveness, he could offer us grace, so so that he could create the opportunity to experience the only thing he's ever really wanted, which is to be with us. Jesus, Jesus like puts on display the most pure and sacrificial love we could ever see. For the simple fact that his heart is compelled by his desire to lovingly be with us. And, and even today, I mean, some of you, you'd find your heart kind of captured by that reality that there's a Jesus who, who's trying to do more than balance a moral code or run a spiritual transaction of some kind. He's, he was making a way to be with us so that we could be with him, so that we could be captured by his love. And so we're, we're humble and aware that there is a death. But then there's this resurrection, which is pretty fascinating in its own right. There is a, a coming back from the dead. There is a, the one who was dead is, is now alive. And, and that's fascinating in its own right, right? That there was death and now there's life. But, you know, there's even more to it. There's even some other layers that the, the, the fascination just keeps getting deeper and deeper. There are so many facets to it. And so what we're going to do in our time together is we're just going to kind of look over the shoulder of, of some of the first people involved in the events around the resurrection of Jesus. 
And if you've got a Bible with you, or if you want to scroll on your phone, we're actually going to look in, in what we have in the New Testament of the Bible is the historical document of Mark, written by a guy named Mark who wrote about the, the life of Jesus, and he starts with Jesus' time on earth, and we kind of get to the end of his document, and we're, we're reading about Jesus' resurrection. If, if you grabbed one of these blue worship center Bibles when, when you came in, uh, we're going to be on page 713, and you can just take this. When you leave today, you can just take it. If you don't have a Bible or you need a new Bible, just take it. Let it be our gift to you. But we're going to look just kind of over the shoulders of the people involved in the resurrection story, and, and here's, the, here's the setting. Jesus has been crucified. He has been placed in a tomb. His closest followers have, have run. They're in hiding. They're scared. They're understandably confused. They probably feel a little small, like we devoted three years to follow this guy, and now he died. We thought he was going to like overthrow a, a government, and now he's in a tomb. And there's lots of confusion, lots of fear, because now they're associated with him. And we're going to pick up the story right there in those moments. Mark chapter 16, and these, are the, these are the words that we find recorded. When the Sabbath, or this day of rest for the Jewish people was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, these three women, they bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. The custom of the day was that, that some things would be done to preserve the body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, hey, when we get there, who's going to roll away this, this stone for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was actually really large, had already been rolled away. And so they just walked into the tomb, and when they walked into the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were kind of taken aback by that. They were a little alarmed by that. There's an angel in the tomb where they're looking for a dead guy. And so it's, it's, it, it captures them a little bit. And so he says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene. He was crucified. But here's the, here's the news. He, he actually has risen. He's not here anymore. He's living. He's not where you're going to find dead people. See, that's the place where they laid him. But now you ladies, go tell, go tell his disciples and make sure you include Peter Go tell them that Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. In verse 8, I love this. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and they fled from the tomb, understandably so. And they said nothing to anybody because they were so afraid. Now, what we know is they actually somewhere along the way did tell somebody. That's how we actually have this account. So there's this little regrouping. The, the fear settles a little bit and they go and they, they tell these disciples. Now, now, there's a resurrection there, right? There's a tomb that did have the dead body of Jesus, that now that's not where he is. There's been this resurrection. That in its own right changes everything. Jesus beats death. He absorbs death and then he beats it, which is incredible and fascinating. It's what gives us life. But it's also kind of interesting to, to think about who's part of this story. Uh, there's three women that go to the tomb. There's three women that are the first ones to hear that Jesus has been resurrected. There's three women that are charged with being the first people to tell about the resurrection, which feels like, oh, okay, I mean, neat, that, that's cool, right? I mean, but, but we got to understand how big that is. See, in the culture of, of, of the day, women were completely discredited. W women didn't have a voice. 
what women said wasn't viewed as credible or trustworthy or having any, any real authority. In the middle of society where the decisions were made, where the influence was had, well, women were pushed out of that. They just weren't viewed as credible sources and reliable people on anything. And to, just to see how extreme it really was, uh, a second century philosopher named Celsus, he, he said it this way. He, he said, there's no way the resurrection could be true because it's based on the testimony of women and we all know women are hysterical. <laughs> what? I mean, you're kidding me, right? And yet, I mean, that just, that, I don't have a box for that. And, and yet, that was the common thought of the day. And God, in all his goodness and grace, the people he first includes in the resurrection story is three women. I mean, think about this. If, if Mark was going to write a story and create a lie to kind of foster the ongoing story of Jesus, he wasn't going to include women because that's how people viewed them. And yet Mark's just writing the facts the way they happen, and God in his sovereignty puts these women in the middle of the most significant moment in the resurrection story. Somebody's got to be the first teller, and it's these women. What Jesus is doing is he's, he's taking people who were, were passed over and he's including them. He's taking people who were overlooked and he's inviting them to, to play a really big part in his story. These women in a culture that would have treated them and made them feel small for generations. Jesus is offering something different in his resurrection. He's offering something more. See, Jesus invites those who feel small or have been treated small actually begin to live big by living loved. Jesus invites those who, who feel small or have been treated small, and he invites them to live big by living loved. He's looking at these women. He's saying, I love you. I love you. I know that's not what you've heard for all of your life. I know that's not how, what society has really communicated to you, but I love you. I love you so much that I'm inviting you into this really significant part of my story. I don't know where you feel small. I don't know where you've been treated small. I know we've all experienced it. And at different degrees and different levels and different times of life. But I know that what's true for those women in that story is true for us. That part of why we get the details of the resurrection story is to hear that, that it is about an internal life transformation. And it's about some deep layers of, 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 of healing and building of significance and worth. Because Jesus invites those who feel and are treated small to live big by living loved. And, he, and here's the thing. That alone, okay, got a resurrection, that's, that's mind-boggling. And now Jesus is completely turning the, the societal apple cart upside down by including these women in a central part. And, and yet there's even more than that because who does Jesus tell the women to go tell? He says, go tell the disciples, and oh, by the way, make sure you include Peter. And, and here's why that matters, because remember, these are the disciples that in the hour of Jesus' greatest need, they all went away. They all got scared. They all ran to hide. They all saved their own lives. And Peter, who had been the most vocal follower of Jesus, he was the one who actually vocally denied ever knowing Jesus when the time got tough. Like Jesus is saying to the women, hey, go tell the disciples, and I want you to make sure you include Peter because if, if anybody could be feeling small right now, 
If anybody hears about my resurrection and could feel small, like they missed it, like they failed, like they dropped the ball, like they missed an opportunity, that's going to be Peter. So tell them all, but man, you make sure Peter knows I'm talking to him too. You make sure Peter knows that I still love him and I'm going to be looking for him in Galilee. You make sure that the disciples and Peter know. Jesus is... It's kind of conveying to us there that, yeah, in a resurrection, I want to invite you to life with me. And he's just saying to us, by including these disciples, hey, uh, I'm inviting those who feel small because of their failure to live big by living loved. I'm inviting those who feel small and beaten down and bent over because of their failure to live big by, by living love. He's saying, I still love you. I still remember really well one of the most um, poignant conversations I ever had with my dad. Uh, I was probably in my early 20s, and, and um, it was a couple years uh, before he passed away. And we ended up having this conversation in a car, driving away from a golf course, about Jesus. And I was just inviting my dad um, to make a return to Jesus. Would, would, would you make a return to him? Would you come back to him? And I remember my dad driving and kind of staring down the road and just saying to me, you know, John, I, I'm pretty sure I've outsinned whatever grace he would have for me. And I don't know how you feel about your own life and where you've been blatantly rebellion or subtly selfish or where you live independently of God. But I can tell you that if you feel anything like my dad felt on that car ride, Jesus would love to say to you today, but wait, but wait. I want to invite you to live big by living loved. You don't have to feel small. I got enough grace for your shame. I got enough grace for your guilt. I want to invite those who feel small because of their failure to live big by living loved. That's why I absorb so much on a cross. That's why I beat death. That's why my resurrection matters. I don't know where you feel are treated small, and I don't know where you might feel small because of your failure, but I know the resurrection always leaves us with this question of Jesus looking at us, and with all of that love that, that fostered these events, with all of that love saying, would you follow me? Would you follow me? I'd love to help you live big by living in my love. And let's be clear about what living big does not mean. It doesn't mean that if we become a follower of Jesus, somewhere now we're going to have all of a sudden this big personality and overwhelm the world and be loud. And it doesn't mean anything like that. To live big by living love simply means that, that we get to live with a peace like we've never known before. There's, n- there's nothing that brings peace to our lives like knowing we're loved by someone who would love us so purely and so sacrificially. To live love means living in that peace like we've never known before. To live love means living out from underneath the weight of trying to prop up our own significance. Man, listen, I'll just be honest with you. I've spent a huge portion of my life trying to just internally prop up my own significance, trying to prove to myself that I matter and that I have worth, and that is exhausting. And Jesus says, look, I, I don't want you to have to live like that. Would you, would you live big by living loved and live out from underneath the weight of trying to prop up your own significance? 
And, and when we begin to experience that peace like never before and we begin to live out from underneath that weight of propping up our own significance, we find ourselves just compelled to express that love. When we're living big by living love, we just start naturally wanting to express that love to people because it becomes something we treasure so much that it just, it has to be, it has to be shared. It starts leaking out of our, our lives. That's what living big is. It's living with a peace like never before. It's living out from underneath the, the weight that pushes us down when we're trying to prop up our own significance. And it, it leads to us just living naturally, expressing the very same love we're receiving. That's what Jesus invites us into in his resurrection. And he, he just looks at us and he says, look, I, I know you've probably had moments where you feel small and have been treated small. I want to invite you to live big by living loved. I know the failures are many. Welcome to humanity. But I want to invite you to live big by living loved. And it, it just leaves us with this question every time we consider the resurrection. It's Jesus just lovingly looking at us and saying, would you follow me? Would you accept my forgiveness, and my grace. And w- would you do more than take a, a religious transaction or try and balance a moral scale? Would you follow me? I've done all this because the only thing I've ever really wanted is to be with you. Would you follow me? Now, you might have been around church uh, enough or been to enough Easter's to kind of have an idea of that, that maybe the next thing we should do is bow our heads and, and close our eyes. And we're going to have this, this prayer moment, but we're not actually going to do it that way. Uh, a little bit earlier, you, you got a connection card. You passed them down a road, and it's just one, especially for Easter. And there were a couple things that we asked you to fill out there. I want to invite you to take that back out and just kind of put it in your hand. There's one more survey on the back, and I want to walk you through it. You'll see it's four letters, A, B, C, and D. And before I tell you what they are, let me tell you what's true. All of us are one of these four. I hope all of us fill it out. And if you don't, you're still one of these four. It's just, we just all know we're going to be one of these four. And I want to just walk you through this with this question in mind. Would we live loved by following Jesus? Let's just leave that question in front of us. That's the question of Jesus in his resurrection. Would you live big by living loved? And maybe somewhere along the way, don't fill anything out yet, but maybe somewhere along the way you'll mark an A, which is, which is simply, I'm already following Jesus. I'm already following Jesus. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, and it doesn't mean I get it perfect every time. But I'm in a relationship where I'm having conversation with Jesus. He's shaping and transforming my life. He's convincing me more all the time of how much he really does love me. And how, how much significance I really do have in relationship with him. He's convincing me more and more all the time that I really am the apple, the center of his eye. That I'm a treasure to him. I'm walking in that relationship. I'm following him. I'm letting him lead. Maybe that's you, and that's great. And again, it's not always perfect. It's not always easy. But it's this following of Jesus in relationship with him. But maybe some of you, today's the day you'll mark B, where you're just going to say, you know what, I'm beginning today following Jesus. Today, I'm beginning to follow Jesus. I, I want that kind of love, that kind of sacrificial, pure love. I want that. I'm tired of trying to prop up my own significance. I'm trying to prove it to other people, or I'm trying to prove it to myself, even though nobody knows that's what I'm trying to do. I'm, trying to, I'm tired of living, feeling small and, and wondering where my worth really is. I, I'll take Jesus' forgiveness. I'll take his grace. But I'll follow him. I'll follow him. I'll walk in relationship with him. And 
And that's what the story of Jesus in the scriptures, that's what the story calls salvation. That's where we become one with Jesus and we begin this relationship with him. And for some of you today, that this will be way more than just another Easter. It'll be way more than just another service. It'll be way more than just another gathering with family to eat some food. It'll be the day you began to follow Jesus. And I've asked you to wait. Some of you right now, even, you're so compelled. You just, your heart is racing and you just, you have to mark the B. And there's already a, a mark of ink and a teardrop on your card. You're just like, I have to respond right now. That's great. That's great. Some of you, though, might be C. You, you might just say, you know what? I, I just need a little more time to sort this out. I need a little more time to consider it. And I just want to say to you, that's great. I'm glad you're here. And Jesus is glad you're considering it. Take all the time you want. Keep coming back to a place like Journey. Keep asking questions. Keep wondering about Jesus. Keep exploring Jesus. He's not threatened, bothered, or put off by all that exploration. Keep, keep doing it. Take your time. Maybe some of you will only need a couple minutes to consider a little bit more. For some, it may be longer. That's fine. And then the last one is D. And if you're D, I'm going to ask you to be real honest. D is just simply, I, I don't intend to ever follow Jesus. I don't ever intend to make a decision to follow Jesus. And if that's you, I just encourage you to be honest enough to put it down. If you're honest enough to put it down, let me be honest with you enough to tell you what I'm going to do. If you mark D on your card, I just want you to know we love you. You matter to us. So if you're honest enough to mark D on your card, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be praying for you over the next year. I'm going to be praying for you. Now, if you mark D, you might be like, I don't care. Pray all you want. I don't even believe that. That's great. That's, that's great. If you mark it, I just want you to know, that's, that's, my, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be praying for you. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to harass you. We're not going to send you anything. I just want you to know I'll be praying for you. But we'd love to know you're here. We'd love to know you're here. Now, I understand fully that this is a significant decision. It's a significant moment when we look at Jesus and we hear him asking us, would you follow me? Would you take my forgiveness and grace? Would you take my love for you so that you could live with a peace like never before and you could live out from underneath the weight of trying to earn and prove significance? I understand it's a big decision. So we're going to create just a couple of moments where, where many of us can continue to process our response to that. Even many of us right now, we're, we're wondering, we're grappling, we're hearing Jesus, we're sensing our heart being drawn towards him, and we're wondering, what does that mean? And we're wondering what comes next, and yet we just keep hearing Jesus in the depth of our heart right now, say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I just want to be with you, would you follow me? So we're going to create a moment where we can just respond to that. We're going to just sing a song that really, in many ways, talks about how Jesus views us before we view ourselves in the same way that he views us. And we're just, we're going to sing that and use it as a time to continue to respond. Some of you will mark B somewhere while we sing this. Some of you will just, you'll mark a B and you'll say, yeah, that's it. Some of you, you'll kind of confirm your C in the next few minutes. You'll just say, I I think, but I don't know and I'm not sure. And you'll mark a C and you'll take more time to consider and that's great. Some of you, you're A and you've known you're A for the last 10 minutes. And you just want a chance to express the amazement and the, at the love of Jesus and what he has for you. And this is a few minutes to get a chance to do that. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And as we prepare, I'm just going to pray for us. And we'll engage this time of response. Let's pray together, and then we'll sing together. Jesus, we're grateful beyond measure that you would come in such a way that you include people who had historically been a little bit pushed to the side, almost discarded. And that, God, you would make this concerted effort in your resurrection story to also instantly include people who probably could have felt like the greatest failures. 
your love for us, your desire to be with us, your desire to love us in a way that allows us to live big is so compelling to us. We really do find ourselves drawn to you. So in these couple of minutes, as we sing about really how you do view us and see us and the links you go to reach us, we just invite you to continue to speak right to the core of our being. Continue to remind us and convince us of your love for us. And for those in the room who will right now make a decision to begin following you, may you just confirm in the depths of their heart how excited about that you are, how much you really do love them, and that all of heaven really does celebrate that. So Jesus, we give you these few minutes continue to give you our hearts. Thanks for inviting us to follow you. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Let's take a couple of minutes and just sing this together.